You're here on the second day of Christmas, and uh, that's a big event. Eternity enters time, the creator enters creation. So stunning, huh? And uh, it's good to see you here. Some people are probably, ah, you know, it's good that, that the busyness of the holidays over. Others, it's just part of, like, we live our lives for him. You know, we live our lives. As, where, where else would we be on Sunday morning, you know? So God bless you. Bless all you that are online. Um, I have this real anticipation as we look forward to 2022, usually at the end of the year, and I've been doing this, it takes me a while, but I, I try to like look back over the previous year and sort of remember the things that were significant, the things that were good, the things that were hard, the things that were uh, bad, and, uh, and just kind of reflect, reflect on what was what was God doing? What was I doing? What were the people that are near and dear to me doing during that time? And assess it and just kind of make, it sets up a good focus for the next year. And so congratulations on surviving 2021. You know, it's like, um, some, some of you have, have endured significant hardships and, um, you know, dangers, trials, um, disease, injustice, all kinds of things like that. And uh, just want to really congratulate you that what didn't kill you made you stronger. You know, that's the, that, that's the, the truth, you know. <laughs> Isn't it good? But I, I want to um, read something here. My friend Meltari uh, sent me uh, yesterday, maybe he sent it to me Friday night. Pardon? Oh, Mel Tari's only 75? Okay. Well, when Mel Tari was, Mel, Mel Tari, um, when we were brand new Christians, he was a big hero to us uh, because in the late 1950s, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the island of Timor, and he lived in East Timor, part of Indonesia, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit just fell. He was part of a thatch roof village, Presbyterian church, and God just, the Holy Spirit came on that and released miracles and just wild, uh, you know, walk, children walking on water, being led by angels, going out evangelizing, and there was this great move of the Holy Spirit. Mel has never lost the fire, as far as I can tell. He has more energy and, uh, than most 20-year-olds and literally just spends his life going, preaching the gospel, coming home for a couple of days, going, training missionaries, sending people out, coming home for a few days, and he, he keeps me posted. We pray for him, and, and uh, he's a, a tremendous inspiration. He's full of the Holy Ghost and fire, you know, but so here's one of his, his update from Friday. Exciting praise report. <laughs> he has a lot of these. The Lord Jesus is compelling the other sheep to enter the fold by revealing himself personally to them by dreams and visions and angelic invitations Many leading Muslim leaders in Indonesia have given their hearts and life to Jesus and are leading many to him. They are the best witnesses to the lost. And uh, yay. Also in many North African and Middle Eastern countries, the same is happening. This is going to be the greatest harvest time in the history of the church going forward. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your love and prayers. And so, God, we disagree with your servant, Mel. We agree that we're moving into a season of tremendous harvest. We've been through, you know, worldwide hardship at really an unprecedented level of, you know, political and economic and just crazy cultural shifting. And I just want to say that I think the church has awakened. You know, some people say, you know, I, I know early in 2020, the Lord spoke to me these words, awake, arise, 
count it all joy, no eye has seen, no, you know, no eye has seen what God has prepared, and that um, his eyes are running to and fro over the face of the earth. And I just say, I think you've positioned yourself by being awake, by rising up, by, by boldness, and by the conviction of, of the faith of the gospel you believe in, believing that the word of God is truth, you know, that there is a, a truth, there is truth, there's not like many truths, there's one truth, that's reality, and that's revealed to us in Jesus through the, the written word of God. Thank you, Jesus, you know, that God hasn't changed. You know, hallelujah, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I feel like there's such, you know, this, this rising up is a joy, you know, and it's a positioning for a change. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to this harvest that's coming, and I'm looking forward to the, the resulting change, and God bless you for 2022. There's no better time to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We were lingering that, I mean, the Spirit of God is here. When we were worshiping, I felt like, and I didn't want to interrupt everything because, you know, I'm, I knew I was going to be preaching, but there's a grace for healing here. And so, you know, I just, I feel like already there were people who came in with pain and with conditions and during, you know, during the time of worship, those pains disappeared, you know, and, and if you just check yourself, say, hey, it's not there. You know, in the first service, um, I had the joy of praying for this uh, young, uh, a father brought a daughter up and she had severe uh, respiratory pain and we prayed and she was really surprised. She said, I said, how, you know, what do you feel? And she's looking around, she says, nothing. <laughs> she, she got really happy, like it was like, oh, what happened? You know, so he was, uh, and so, and, then, and in the first service, the Lord whispered to me, that there was a healing for endometriosis. And so I wasn't sure what it was when I said it. I knew it had something to do with, with female uh, reproductive systems and that kind of stuff, but that's it. And uh, I wasn't sure if I said it right, but I did. And, and God healed a number of people there. And I feel like that, that those words are still out there. So at the end of the service, we'll We'll pray for, for people who have healing. So I'm just curious, anyone you came in and you, were, you had pain, and if you check yourself right now, that pain isn't there. Anybody? Raise your hand. I just like to see. Even if it's nobody, I don't want to see that, but I, I like to see it. Or was, that, was that your case? Anybody? Oh, thank you. I knew there would be at least one. Bless you. Anyone else? I'm, sometimes I would be a bad lifeguard. I think people would drown if I was, if I, I was in charge there. So, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Bless you, bless all you online. And uh, so I, the message I have, and it's kind of a, a word of, uh, that is for this season, I call it breaking out, breaking in, and breaking through. You know, like you can break out of jail but it doesn't necessarily mean you break into something good. But God breaks us out to break us in and break us through those things that are holding us back. And I mean, this is what the incarnation was all about. A great scripture which uh, is, you know, relates to the incarnation, but also the purpose of the incarnation is Galatians chapter four. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. He he sent him out of heaven. He was born of a woman, born under the law, to, re to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And if you're not familiar with this term in scripture, it is not gender specific, and it's definitely not gender confused, but it's just in, the, in, in Roman culture, this term adoption of sons as sons was actually a formal, uh, a formal, I wanna say ceremony, but there's a better word than that. Um, it was a formal recognition that it could be a son, it could be a daughter who would be adopted into this sonship, or if, you, you know, if you're the right age and you saw Ben-Hur when, uh, you know, when you were a kid, Ben-Hur was a, a, a man who had become a slave 
And then he was adopted into a noble Roman family. He was adopted as a son with the full rights of son. So when you're adopted as a son, it means you have full rights of inheritance. You have access to the family legacy. You have access to the family resources. And this is what God is saying, that God, he redeemed those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons, which is, there's amazing statement here. Verse six, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Did you think God was talking to us about the Holy Spirit today? He sent the spirit of his son into our hearts who cries out, Abba, Father. He, cry, he changes our relationship with God the Father. He's not far off and distant. He is Daddy. He is Papa. He is Abba. And so you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir through God. And we'll discover in Romans 8 that we're not only heirs, we're joint heirs with Jesus. We're joint heirs. It's God, thank you. So this is the meaning of it, you know? And sometimes these things happen. It says the fullness of time, and it's not talking about, we use the term kairos or kairos for, to describe a, a moment where everything just seems right, and it's the opportune time. But this is actually saying the fullness of chronos time, chronology, is just like moment after moment after moment, and people almost forgot about it but God never forgot about it in his sovereignty. When it was time, he sent his son. And I wanna say that to you, that the prom God keeps his promises, and the promises he's made to you, even though it seems like God, it's just like, did you forget? He's never forgotten a single word that's been spoken to you or into your heart. God, thank you that we're moving into a time of fulfillment in Jesus' name. Now. Sometimes, you know, the, the moments aren't recognized. When Jesus was born, you know, most people were still going about their ordinary lives. Nobody said, wait a minute, everything just changed. The creator entered into creation, you know, that God became a fetus, that God, you know, there in Mary's womb, he, he got eyebrows and elbows and two kidneys and the whole works and would become a human being. I mean, this is just like beyond imagination. So the very fact that no one knew it happened, except for a few, except for some shepherds, except for some magi, except for you know a few people around who heard or recognized, I'm telling you, God has often already done things that we're still waiting for, and we just don't know it's already here. So God, thank you for your promises, thank you. So, but here's what I want to talk about, like breaking through, and I was thinking about the shaking during the last year, and I, I, years ago I did this message about breaking the sound barrier, so I want to borrow a little bit of that, that when, when we're accelerating against the status quo, it makes waves. You know, if you're just sitting there, not going anywhere, there's very little, uh, you know, manifestation of your presence but as soon as you start moving directionally, there's resistance in front of you. So if you're rowing a boat, there's a little wake that you know, builds up in front of the boat. Maybe if you're a, like a, you know, really racing and you're rowing, it might, but if you put a few outboard motors onto that same boat and crank them up to top speed, you have a pretty good wake going on. And the bigger the, bigger the, the weight of what's moving through the bigger the waves that it makes, you know? So you've pro everybody's probably had that experience where you're just maybe sitting on the shore of a river or a lake or something and, and someone with a big boat goes speeding by very close and you know, you get hit by the wave. I'm telling you, God is making, a, you know, there's a breakthrough coming and there's big waves because it's a big breakthrough. So, you know, this, 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 principle that movement through a, you know, through a medium, a medium is just the environment we're in. Our, when we move forward spiritually, we meet resistance, it makes waves. Now, where there are breaking points where there are certain limits to 
that ability to move forward. And an interesting example of this was in the field of, of aeronautics, of air flight. You know, you know, in the early 20th centuries, the Wright brothers created the first sustainable, heavier-than-air flying machine, you know, and flew in North Carolina for a few hundred yards, and it was a revolution. That was a kind of breakthrough, a technological breakthrough, but by the 1930s, you know, they, the engineers and aviators had b been able to power planes to, you know, with enough power to, to fly faster than the speed of sound. But nobody succeeded at it because when the airplane, these prop-powered airplanes would approach the speed of sound, they would get into a zone of great resistance. And th this great resistance is, is a, a physical principle called the Doppler effect, that, that something moving forward creates greater and greater waves. And I have a little illustration here. It's there on the back screen that, um, and if we had it in, if we had this animated, we'd see the, the wave is set up by movement and the height of it's called the amplitude, the distance between the peaks or troughs is called wavelength and the speed at which it's moving is velocity. If you increase the speed, the, the wavelength shrinks, which means the frequency increases and the amplitude gets bigger because it's kind of like you have the same amount of, of movement, but it's compressed into a short time. This is exactly why if you're sitting out on a road and someone's coming at, on a motorcycle, when they're coming to you, it sounds different than when they're leaving. It kind of goes like this. You know, we've all had this. This was discovered by an Austrian monk whose last name was Doppler. And so it's called the Doppler effect. He noted like, hey, it sounds higher in pitch as the train is approaching me than when it leaves. So he thought about that and he came up with that principle and understand, explained it. And so, but it's part of everyday life. Sometimes we don't think about it, but when you are moving forward at a high speed, you ahead of you is this, you know, this zone of activity because you're actually pushing against something and it gets higher and higher. So what happened with these prop-powered planes, say by the late 1930s, is they would hit this zone, the subsonic zone, up around uh, and slightly over 700 miles an hour, and the planes would shake apart and they'd fall apart and quite a few test pilots were killed. There's an old saying that there's old pilots and bold pilots, but there aren't very many old, bold pilots because a lot of them get killed, you know, which is why I always like to fly with pilots that are really careful, you know. The more nerdy they are, the better, you know. Like, all the details are important. But, but there are those wild cowboy guys that, you know, just flew the planes until they shook apart. And they actually didn't understand initially why this was happening. And the ones who survived said, you know, they called it hitting the wall or sometimes they called it a demon because it just, it would shake the plane apart. All the controls would, would stop working, you know, gauges would break. And they're like, what is this? No one knew. And people speculated, you know, probably there's no way to live if you go faster than the speed of sound. And, the, you know, the, the unknown is scary. Well, by some people figured out, you know what, maybe it's the control system because these planes were controlled with cables. Why? Because cables are light. Cables and pulleys could move the flaps and control the plane, and it worked very well at, at lower speeds. But as they approach this zone of extreme turbulence, there would be enough slack in the cables that the flaps were not responding to the pilot's control. Thus, a few of them or many of them met their death. You know, So this is the, the background. But it, there was no shortage of young adrenaline junkie men who wanted to try <laughs> to see if they could be the one. So 1947, Bell Laboratories had developed this, this kind of tiny rocket ship, kind of like jet, called the Bell X-1. And they, they started flying it for about a year and, and they tested it in different places and they said this could do it. So in October 1947, it, a... Uh, a young test pilot named Chuck Yeager, who lived, <laughs> and uh, was scheduled to, to get in this Bell 
X1, it was going to be taken up to an altitude and to top speed in a B-29 bomber and then released. And at that point, he would, he would ignite the, the jets and the fuel capacity he had and hopefully break through the sound barrier, which he did. He, he got up to like Mach 1.1 at 45,000 feet. The f- crazy thing is that morning, early that morning, he must have had a lot of adrenaline because he took his horse out and he was galloping all over in the mountains where, where, and the horse fell and he fell and he broke a rib. Now you think like, well, that's the end of that, but it wasn't, he just, he wrapped himself up in, in tape, not duct tape probably, but like athletic tape and he wore a heavy aviator jacket, you know, so nobody knows because he didn't want to miss his chance. <laughs> Don't you love these kind of people, you know, that just, <laughs> no, nah, that's not gonna stop me. <laughs> So he broke the sound barrier and what he discovered on the other side of the wall and all the turbulence when he broke through was silence. And so what happened, oh, there's a picture of him and there is a picture of a, of a, a much more modern jet breaking the sound barrier somewhere off the coast of Virginia. And, uh, and what you're seeing there behind it is a vapor cloud as the atmosphere shifts. So now what happens to that jet that gets out in front of the sound barrier? On the other side of all that chaos was silence, peace, and power. Like they all said, wow, just suddenly got quiet and it was a smooth ride. But what, they actually didn't know it, but they discovered it, that behind that plane was a cone, that wave that, that was unbreakable that was stacked up in front of the plane and as the plane is going, the wave bends and when it gets through, it pulls that wave of power behind it in a cone. And all that energy that could have shaken that plane apart is now following that jet that has broken through the barrier and, there, and wherever that jet would go, there would be this power that would follow. Kind of sounds biblical, huh? (laughs) Jesus said his spirit will come upon you and you'll get power and signs and wonders will follow you. So this is like, this is such a good illustration. So God, I just wanna pray for everyone. You have, I mean, there's probably everyone in the room and everyone online. You have faced turbulence you never imagined over the last couple years in your life, in your faith, in your family, in your finances, in your business, in your career. And I just wanna declare over you that what hasn't killed you is actually you are being propelled as an overcomer through barriers that you didn't realize you could break because it's not you, it's the Holy Spirit operating in you that's brought you through. And now there's a season of power and release that's following you as you move forward in peace that passes understanding. It's not based on circumstances, it's based on the presence of the one who is the Lord and the Prince of Peace. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. So now I better teach you something out of the Bible. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Well, so amazingly, when I was thinking about this, I thought, oh, you know, I've been teaching, trying to do kind of an expository sermon or series on the book of Romans, which is a real challenge in our culture, uh, just because we always want to leave room for the Holy Spirit. And, uh, And it fits right in to the significance of the shift between Romans chapter five and the three that follow, six, seven, and eight, which all talk about getting through the barrier into the place of peace and power. So just a quick review. You know, the, um, Paul's letter to the Romans was written to, it really fully revealed the good news, the declaration that God is king of the universe, that it's the, it's the gospel. And he wrote in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. Salvation is liberation, freedom from everything that holds us down, from sin, from disease, from, from insanity, from all, I mean, it gives us peace. 
It changes our standing before God. And to everyone who believes, it's accessed by belief, to the Jew first, also to the Greek. It's for all people. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. So in it, the, the nature, the goodness, and the purity, and the loyalty of God is revealed. He keeps his promises. He keeps his covenants. And so, uh, you know, toward the end of chapter one and all the way through, almost the end of chapter three, it, he's, his topic is sin and salvation. He wants to demonstrate that everybody needs salvation, that everybody's guilty, that no one has made it on, you know, not only no one's made it into heaven, but no one's actually lived a truly fulfilling life based on their own righteousness. We all need Jesus. And the good news, when you get to about in Romans chapter three, around verse 15, you're like, man, this is getting depressing. But the good news comes in 21, 321, that God restores all things in Jesus, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The law was a system with people who did not want to live in direct communion with God, and God gave them the law on Mount Sinai. He said, okay, look, if you do this, you'll live. Now, he knew no one would do it, and the whole point of the law was that they would realize their own need for a savior. However, that being said, we wanna point out that the law is good and holy and beautiful, and it's, there's nothing wrong with the law. It's just, you know, the idea was that people said, Moses, you go talk to God and tell us whatever we're supposed to do, we'll do it. And none of us can be good by just self-determining that. Would you agree with that? You hear what I'm saying? So the, the, when he says the righteousness of God is manifested apart from the law, that's really great news. Like, whoa, no rules? It doesn't mean there's no, there's no standards, but it's just like we're not being measured by, up. Oh, you messed up there. Paul writes in another place, he said, if you, if you are guilty of one, you know, if you do one thing wrong, you're guilty of the whole law. Like, ah, oh, no one can do it. And so the righteousness of God was, is accessed through faith in Jesus Christ, Romans 3, 22. Verse 23 says, we've all sinned, we all fall short of the glory of God, and we're justified. And God just gives us this amazing gift of grace and justifies us, which means we're declared innocent, like we'd never done anything wrong in our whole life, like we were never selfish, even when we were five years old, that we were never sinful even when we were 18 years old, that we were never selfish or judgmental even when we were 40 years old. I mean, it's just like he cancels everything we ever did wrong in one moment when we put our faith in what Jesus has done. Oh, he sets us free. You know, this is like the meaning of salvation. It's called redemption. Okay, so chapters four and five, you know, illustrate this through the life of Abraham. God keeps his promise to Abraham forever and ever. He's keeping his promise to Abraham as he keep, even in our salvation. And then this applies to us that faith is how Abraham accessed this relationship with God and it's how we do too. And then he gets into the issue of, of, this, of the sin that rules over our lives outside of grace in chapter five. And, uh, and I'll, I'll just do that as an introduction into chapter six, which don't worry, this is gonna be very brief, okay? In case you're thinking like, whoa, we're just getting started. This is gonna take three hours. <laughs> I'll pass out my eight pages of notes. All right. <laughs> so Romans five, verse 12 tells us, that sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. Why do people die? Because Adam ate the wrong food. That's the real reason. Okay, verse 14. Death reigned from Adam to Moses. In fact, and death reigned over everyone. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. In other words, so now we're going like, oh, wait a minute. You mean 
only one person did it right, and, but it was Jesus Christ, who was God as well as man, and it is available to everybody. And this is, this is that it, there's an overflow. God never runs out of grace that, that can save us and set us free. And so because of that, we have this opportunity. Now, see, this is the breakthrough. We've gone from slaves of sin into abundance of life. Verse 17 says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more, that's like one of my favorite phrases, much more, not just equal to, but much more, will those who receive the abundance, when you receive, it's like receiving a gift. We just say thank you. Re- receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. How much more will we reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? And so here's the, here's the picture. We were slaves and now we're kings and queens. You know, it's just amazing. And so, and, and then verse 20 says that, um, where, where sin increased, grace abounded more, and where sin reigned through death, grace also reigns through righteousness, leading to eternal life, which is the God kind of life. And we get into chapter six. And the message of chapter six, like, if you wanna understand it, is that we are now dead to sin. Now, we might not be living that way, but that's, that's the reality of what's been given to us, and we're alive to God. And so we, we read this, if we begin chapter six, verse one, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? And of course, that is a stupid question, which we're all good at asking. And, uh, and Paul was answering a question probably that he heard people were saying. And so but here's the, the temptation that we have. God has given us this gift of life, and he said that we can reign in life, like we can actually be royalty in this world. Not royalty of this world, but we're like royal ambassadors from heaven in earth. And, but our temptation is we don't recognize that, we forget who we are, and the temptation is to live below his standards, which is called sin, falling short of the glory of God. By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And we thought, why? Well, you know, I didn't know I died to sin. I just thought I asked Jesus into my heart. But when, so here's, the, here's why baptism is actually really important. And if you haven't been baptized, you sign up for that baptism class because you need to be baptized. That's it. It says, do you, do you not know that all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So there's something in, in our coming to Jesus that we get fully identified. Baptism means to be identified, to be saturated. We become fully um, saturated and identified into Jesus Christ. And the prophetic action that we do this, and it's not just like an option if we feel like it, but it's a commandment to be baptized, that, that in this it becomes sealed into our lives. And do you not know, and this is a great thing, this, It's like what will set us free is what we know. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But when we know this, so what are we supposed to know? We're supposed to know that we are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ. Verse four, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead. Don't you love that phrase, just as? Not sort, like sort of like, Jesus was raised from the dead, like, you know, there's some connection. That's how people approach it, but it's, the, the term is just as, like exactly the same as Jesus as Christ, the same way he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. What is this newness of life? This is the new operating system. So because we're dead to sin, because the life that we now live, we're living by faith in union with the resurrection of Jesus. There's like, 
power and authority that has been granted to us, and if we live our lives like the people in the world lives their lives, we become conformed to this world and we don't know what has been given to us. Now, would you say it's a tragedy if somebody gave you a billion dollars and you just thought, oh, that's a nice fairy tale, and you never went and checked out, you never called up the bank, you never said, could I access any of this? Because it's so beyond anything we've ever earned, anything we've ever imagined. God, just change our imagination. This is part of the breakthrough, that we change what we think we know, and we know this. We know that our old self, I should read verse, ah, this is the breakthrough, that we know that we, all of us who've been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, Whew, which gives us access to newness of life, which means something that's never been seen before and is inherently superior to what it replaces. That's the meaning of, of this Greek term. Verse five says, if we were united with him in a death or planted together with him, like we're, we're put there in the grave with him, united with him in a death like his, when, were, when did that happen? Oh, at baptism. That's why baptism's important. Okay, uh, in a death like his, we shall certainly be, do you like that word certainly? John says certainly a lot. I listen when he speaks, he'll use this term certainly quite a bit. Certainly, because we're certain. Be united with him in a resurrection like his. Come on. Like, like his. Not just barely. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. And like, there's a lot of moments, but in the fullness of time, that moment will come where in a moment, like a twinkling of an eye, and anything that hasn't been fixed yet, God fixes in a moment. In, whoa, wait, we thought it was gonna take at least a thousand more years. God says, ah, just watch. Okay. Okay, verse six, we know that our old self was crucified with him. Ha, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would be no longer be enslaved to sin. Now that term, translate, this is the ESV, brought to nothing, could also be, it, it means rendered ineffective. King James says it was destroyed, but it wasn't destroyed like obliterated, it was destroyed like, have you ever loaned something to somebody and when they brought it back, it didn't work, and you just said, man, they destroyed it. It's still there, but you can't, you know, you loaned them your car, and they brought it back, and it was like, let's call the junkyard. That's what this, this term means. The body of sin is still there. It's no longer in charge. It's no longer, it's not like there's two dogs in the doghouse, and one's bad and one's good, and they're fighting against each other. One is alive with resurrection power, and the other one is broken. But here's what happens. When we get tempted and stupid, <laughs> we think like, wow, oh, that looks good. And it's like if you touch it, you short circuit. I, I don't know how else to explain it. Have you ever heard of a preacher who sinned? You ever met a Christian who sinned, wasn't honest on their taxes, cheated on their spouse, stabbed you in the back? Oh, not you, but you know, it's like, how does that happen? Here's what happens. Even though we've been delivered from it and it's no longer in charge, if we get sucked into it and we go there, it short circuits all this power that is ours. Does that, I mean, this is my best explanation of the mystery of lawlessness that's at work in, in not just the world, but in some of God's people. So if I do that, now you think like, man, what a waste. But here's the good news. You take your hand off of it, the short circuit stops, and inside you is 443-phase Father, Son, Holy Spirit power that restores you and maybe even makes you better as you're limping through the rest of your life, but now you know you need him all the time, every day, every minute, every hour. You understand, this is what we're talking about. This is what, in worship, we were there and Tiffany was leading us, Holy Spirit, we need you, we want you. That's a good thing to, to need and want. 
So that, this is my, my heart's desire, is that we would live in 2022 with this new operational system, walking in newness of life, that we would live in resurrection. Come on. Okay, how am I doing? I've got a couple minutes left here. So we know that we're crucified with him. Verse nine, we, verse seven, for one who has died has been set free from sin, literally justified from sin. It's like if we've died, you know if you're dead, they can't take you to court. <laughs> they can't throw you in jail. They can throw you in a graveyard, but they can't throw you in jail. And if they throw you in a graveyard, you know something on that very last day, them bones gonna rise again. You know, it's just like this is, this is what we know that we'll rise with him. So verse nine, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Remember, your resurrection is just like his. He's been raised from the dead, will never die again, and death no longer has dominion over him. So we need to know this. The next thing we need to do is we need to, to change how we see ourselves. You could use the term reckon or count or consider. The ESV says consider verse 11. You must consider. You must reckon, you must count yourself dead to sin, alive to God. So what does this mean? There's maintenance on the, like how do we keep stupidity at bay as we, as we remind ourselves of the truth? So how do I reckon myself dead to sin? Every day I just say, I'm dead to sin. I have a little simple, I wake up, I say, you know, Holy Spirit, fill me. Make me holy. Anima Christi sanctifica me. It's a Latin prayer from the Middle Ages. It just covers the bases. But I just say, you can just pray, Holy Spirit, fill me. Do you know his, his descriptor is holy? So if the Holy One fills you, what are you going to be? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's like so simple. How do I get holy? Get filled with the Holy Spirit and stay filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh and it'll happen. You'll be transformed. I pray, I put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Corpus Christi, salve me. I put, you know, which is body of Christ, save me. I put on the Lord Jesus Christ and then in that I make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Why would I? I'm supposed to be dead to sin. Supposed to be? Oh, excuse me. I am dead to sin. See, how about, these are good confessions. I'm alive today in resurrection power. I'm dead to sin. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. The power of God is in me. Lead me and guide me, Holy Spirit, so that it leaks out in all the right places. Thank you, God. Okay, so I reckon myself, and then I yield myself. I, I present myself to God. Verse 13, do not present your members, means the parts of your body, okay, to sin, but present yourself to God, how? As those who have been brought from death to life. You know, if I was dead and thought I was dead and then after about a day or two, I found out I'd been brought back to life, I would live with a whole different sense. And you talk to people who've been, they've, They've had those death and return experiences and there's this sense like they're, they're like, they've seen something that marks them. God, mark us with this, that we present ourselves every day. God, I'm dead and you brought me to life. Okay, and uh, verse 17 says that thanks be to God, we were once slaves of sin, but now become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 18, we have been set free from sin. Could you just say out loud, set free? Oh, okay, stand up, please. And this is like the best. Set free. Like, if I'm... If I'm not set free from sin, I'm gonna spend my whole life doing sin maintenance. You know, like, uh, well, that's okay. Probably won't get caught. Uh, uh. But when I'm set free from sin, I'm alive to God. It's like, God, help us. Help us with this new 
control system called newness of life, called walking in the spirit. And this is what happens to us. We, we, we are obedient from the heart. We've been set free from sin. Verse 22 repeats it. And now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification, holiness. It sets you apart and it's end eternal life. The wages of sin is death. The free gift of God is eternal life. Now, so let's go back here to verse 18. Verse 18, having been set free from sin. Could we say this together on the count of three? I know some people like this and some people hate it. So if you hate it, just you, you don't have to do anything. But I think it's worth yelling out loud. I have been set free from sin, which means sin doesn't have a claim on me. I'm not fighting between my good angel and my bad angel. God has filled me with his Holy Spirit. And so on the count of three, we're gonna shout out, I am set free from sin. Wanna try it? One, two, three. I am set free from sin. Woo! Ho-ho! And John writes, I write these things to you that you would not sin. If you sin, like, oh no, I did it. God, am I a slave? No, we confess our sin to him. God, I messed up again. And he's faithful and righteous. He's just to forgive us our sin. And then he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You're right back where you were justified before him. That's what you do. Now, the amazing thing is, if I'm not gonna go into chapter seven except to say, Chapter, in chapter six, we're looking at the, the slave master of sin and the slaves who are set free. In chapter seven, we're looking at the marriage to a legalistic way of approaching God. And we die to the law so that we now belong to another. We're married to Jesus. You know, we're, we're, we're the bride of Christ. This is a very rough things, but I love chapter seven, verse four, says, likewise, brothers, you've died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. It means another of a completely different kind. And so verse six says, we're released from the law, having died to that which held us captive. And so we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. And, and so Paul, the rest of the chapter, he explains, this is what my life was like as, as I was serving the law. I wanted to do things I couldn't do. And he finally comes to this conclusion, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ. He finds the answer. And it's like his little biography. But this happens to Christians who, when we, we, we okay, we stop sinning, we're very, you know, we're work, working at this. And then the new temptation is to fall into legalism and judge everybody by a new standard that's not the standard of the gospel. It's the standard of the law. So God has set us free from the law of sin and death that we could fulfill by the Spirit all the requirements, the righteous requirements of the law. Is that awesome? So let me pray for you and I'll, I'll let you go. I just feel like this is gonna be a year of getting filled and staying filled with the Holy Spirit. This is going to be a year of learning to be led by the Spirit. Now we're in Romans 8, but that, that, that we're led by the Spirit and you'll find yourself in the right place at the right time. And that no matter what happens to you, you'll know that God's at work in and around you to bring good out of it. And this is, this is a powerful, we're, I, this is gonna be a year of resurrection of broken dreams, broken families, broken um, expectations, broken souls that are just saying, God, I'm broken and he's great. He's gonna fix you and deliver you. And there's gonna be a release of the power gifts in this coming year in everyday life. You know, it's like the church is not, I mean, it's, it's so wonderful when we gather together, but it's, it's what prepares us to go out and shine like the sun. 
So lift your hands, I just wanna pray the Holy Spirit would fill you. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you that you are the gift of the Father. Ask that you would fall upon us and clothe us with power. That you would fall upon us, that you would fill us, saturate us, make us holy, set us free. Give us boldness, give us gentleness, give us all the fruit of your presence in our life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Fill us with the hope that you're keeping every promise and that you haven't forgotten one. Fill us with hope that you hear our prayers and let us see the fruit. We thank you for the harvest. We thank you that's, that hearts are opening, that this harvest is coming in, God. Make us witnesses wherever we go that we would carry this cone of power behind us, that there would be breakthrough, that we would be forerunners to what you're doing in the earth. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit, thank you. Some of you, you feel the presence of God on you, on your hands. I, I just, if you feel the presence of God on your hands, just lift your hands. God, just release and reactivate gifts of healing. God, that they're, like, just reactivate them. Just, God, that this burning, this tingling, this awareness, this heaviness would become something we recognize and utilize wherever we go. Release words of knowledge that when we're out in places, we would just say the right thing even when we're not aware of it, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Wow, Jesus. Well, I need to dismiss you, and, uh, and if, especially if you have little children, go and get them. I, and I wanna invite forward anyone in need of healing, wanting prayer, endometriosis, come forward, we'll pray for you. Some of you are already healed and it doesn't hurt to come and just recognize, you know, just say, I just wanna say I'm already healed, but you can pray for me anyway. And, and the rest of you, bless you and have an awesome 2022. Amen, amen. Be blessed. <laughs>